We all want more freedom, and a lot of us work hard now in the hope we'll feel free later. What if there was another way? A way to feel happier, more free, and confident to get better results right now. Welcome to Your Freedom Unlimited, where we share practical stories and strategies to help you show up authentically, drop your fears, and take inspired action on what matters most to you. I'm your host, Jen Ramsey. As a coach with a love for metaphysics, science, spirituality, and strategies that get results, I'll help you step away from self-doubt and create a powerful new story for your life, business, or career. Join me. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Your Freedom Unlimited with me, Jen Ramsey. And this week, I am very excited to be introducing to you a wonderful guest, Anita East. Anita is an expert in the concept of modern beauty. She's a CEO of Anita East Medispa, which is a clinic that specializes in non-surgical cosmetic medicine. Anita is a nurse practitioner and has performed more than 18,000 treatments on people globally. Anita is also a mother to two beautiful daughters, and she is really determined to make the world a safer and more accepting place for when they grow up and ask, Mum, am I beautiful enough? Anita holds a Bachelor of Science, an MA in Acting, and an MSN. She loves to write, and really educating people through storytelling is her passion. And that is what led her to write a pretty incredible book about beauty and the modern and the modern beauty industry called beautiful unique faces and we're going to be talking a bit about that book today so beautiful unique faces has established anita as a very well-regarded thought leader and public figure globally in the area of female health empowerment wellness and beauty she's won awards for her book and she's often called upon to present at meetings both in australia and internationally she's presented alongside malala yousafi at the british council in pakistan for the 2020 women of the world festival and at various other conferences before embarking on her current path, Anita was also a professional actor and she worked on Australian soaps that we'll know about, things like Neighbours, Offspring, and she was also a TV presenter for Sky Sports and the BBC. So, Anita, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jen. It's so lovely to be here. It is so great to have you here, Anita, and honestly, you've got such an interesting background you know, with acting and now in the in this modern, I'm going to call it the modern beauty industry. Mm. And I, when I met you, I, I felt a certain connection. I thought you've got a beautiful heart, but you were also doing some really important work in the world. And um, that's what we're all about here at Your Freedom Unlimited is to really meet with people who have had a breakthrough in their own lives about various things and who are really now living their passion. And um, I've read your book, Beautiful Unique Faces, and I've got, there's a whole range of questions that I would ask you about that. But before we get into that, perhaps you could share with us just a little bit of your backstory. What led you into, into professional acting and then into, mm-hmm. into the um, non-surgical cosmetic medicine space? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the, the performing is something I've always loved to do um and I think like I like you mentioned actually in when you were introducing me so kindly storytelling and educating people through storytelling is a very important way to test messages and test theories in communities if we think about about you know Greek theatre 
the way they used to, because there was no such thing as media and spreading messages that way, the way they'd educate the public was they do it via Greek theatre. So they do it via a play and they they tell people what was happening with acting and with a performance. And I believe that quite often when we go and see a film, when we read a book, when we watch a play, or even when we listen to a song, it bypasses certain parts of our brain and it gets right into our heart and soul so that we can actually make we can test theories and make decisions in a safe way. Mm. So acting was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't. And and I had a, an acting teacher at school who was like, you need to go straight to drama school from high school. And I said, no, I didn't want to. I wanted to, because I was very fascinated with the body and interested in caring for people. So I decided to go and do my bachelor of science, bachelor of nursing first. Oh, yes. So I did that first. And then I, um, I had graduated and I was working for a couple of years and then the call for performing was always there. The call for storytelling was always there. So I moved to the UK and I actually attended, um, I worked with English National Opera on a, a little program they did, um, first of all, because singing is also um, a huge passion of mine. And then I went to drama school at Central School of Speech and Drama, all while continuing um, to do my nursing care. And I was at that stage doing cardiac intensive care nursing. So, Wow, yeah. what a journey. And um, interesting to really... You know, you had, and there was obviously two parts of you that were in play there. That was the part of you that was interested in the body and and that caring aspect, and mm-hmm. then moving into into the arts. And I agree with you. I did I did drama at school, and yes, you're right. The Greeks told stories beautifully through through very beautifully told plays, and it was a great way to communicate with people. And um, and certainly acting. You're right. Books, films, um, yes. poetry, it all allows us to, to receive messages so much more easily today. I think one of the things I say to people is we've sat around, as human beings, we've sat around fires for millennia, you know, yes. we, we're told stories. Absolutely. So if we want to share something important, then then telling a story is the way to do it. Absolutely. So how was that time working in in in, in the theatre industry? How did, that, how did that work out for you? What yeah. did you learn from it? was great and I loved it and I will it's so funny because I think if you're a performer and if you're a you're a creative I'm going to call it a creative if if you're a creative that's with you always Mm -hmm. and so when I actually went into the area so from cardiac medicine I went into skin and because I'd had really bad skin growing up I had acne I had terrible skin growing up so skin was of the utmost importance to me as well in terms of how it affected one's you know, one's mental health and how one one felt about themselves. And so it was a, a case of going, how can I combine the two of these? And it was actually interesting because I was on, I graduated for, from drama school and I was on the set of a film and I was acting, it, it, I was so excited. It was a six-week shoot in London and it was probably, if you say, it was my first big break out of, out of drama school. And the lead actress turned up on the first day of the film shoot with a completely, if you like, expressionless or over-frozen face and these brand new, very plumped up lips. Now we're talking, we're talking 17 years ago. Is that 2004? It was 2004. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2004. 
So obviously at that time, things like injectables, like your Botox, your dermal fillers, that kind of thing, they weren't very, very common, let alone very popular. In fact, the only people that we saw doing them were really the Kardashians on reality TV and we mused about the fact that celebrities were probably doing it and then we could all, you know, sit back and judge whether or not it was done well or not at the mm. time. But it was never something that we, uh, the, the the normal person in the community kind of had the opportunity to do. So when this particular, when this beautiful lead actress turned up looking very, very different to how she had before, it was perplexing because the whole the whole film uh, if you like, was put in jeopardy because she she wasn't able to portray the story of the character that she was playing. She was playing a mother whose child had been abducted and yet she couldn't show the emotion of this harrowing story on her face. So as a storyteller this and also as a medical person, this fascinated me to think that it's so important that we can tell how someone's feeling by their facial facial expressions, by their facial features. And isn't it interesting that this actress turned up with these newly pumped up lips and yet her eyes had always been her unique facial feature and now she didn't look as beautiful as she had done before because they were detracting from her eyes and all you saw now was her lips and that basically sent me 17 years ago on my trajectory to find out why this was happening, um, the link between story, expression, and if we can possibly do cosmetic injectables in a way that's natural looking mm. and mm. enables us to still have that connection with each other. Mm. I love that, that ability to, yes, to to have the choice to do it but in a way that still looks helps you look natural I have to ask the question what happened on the film set did did she did they continue with her or was she yeah absolutely absolutely they did um but the the director was the director was on that very first day of the film shoot I was actually in the makeup department getting my makeup hair and makeup done and the, the director came in and said to the head makeup artist can you make her face look more normal (laughs) that I can't she's had Botox oh wow um there was a lot more into and look I I think that you know the the film didn't didn't do massively well uh and it's horrible to think that someone's and 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 you know what It, it wasn't her performance it was the inability for her to do her performance mm. to, to its utmost, um, you know, limit it should have been. So I think they did lots of different camera angles and it was all very much changing the, you know, the head of head of photography and all the rest of it was, was very clever in that respect, but it was sad. Yeah, that's a really, it is, it is sad, isn't it? And it's a really interesting, the well, A, the fact that she'd won the job but then still felt that she had to go and get the work done before the job. Like what was the thought, what was the thought process there? Exactly. I can only assume and guess that, you know, that she thought she'd look better if her wrinkles were, were gone Mm -hmm. and her skin was perfectly smooth and that, you know, that's, that's all I can assume. Um, Mm. 
and having assumed that then I know know for a fact having now treated so many people that that would definitely definitely have been the reason because I see I see brides you know who 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 say you know within a week of their wedding oh I want this gone and I want this gone and I'm like whoa so people before a big event or Mm. something that they're scared they're going to be judged on will start to pick the flaws in their face Mm. wow it's and look, there's so many paths we could go down in terms of talking to you about this. I think it's a really fascinating, um, really fascinating subject because you're right. It's this, it's this in unhappiness with the inside, or or seeing it's this judgment, this self judgment that happens on our facial features um, mm-hmm. that can really then impact how you know. And, and you speak about this in the book. It can obviously impact mental health, but it can also cause women to do very extreme things to their body that are actually never going to fix the problem. Absolutely. And I think that's 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 it in a nutshell. Is if we don't know what makes us most beautiful, mm-hmm. we can't possibly then provide informed consent to have other things done to us. We can't have the knowledge and the knowing to to do the right thing for ourselves and our beauty and our faces and our mental health. So, you know, if this particular, if we go back to the actress, her eyes were her unique facial feature. That was what was most beautiful about her. But she probably saw that her lips were thinner. I don't know. Maybe she'd noticed that they were thinning with age, which happens to to everyone, and decided that they needed to be plumped up. But all that happened, if you imagine like, you know, a a, a film set or a, a stage where you've got too many lead actors, there's one lead actor. And the rest are supporting actors and they're purely there to help the lead actor or the hero's story continue forward. Mm-hmm. That's all the supporting actors are there for. So if you've got suddenly all the supporting actors coming forward on stage and vying for the audience's attention, the lead actor disappears and it's suddenly too too noisy, too loud, too much happening. And it's exactly what happens when we don't know what's most unique about our face and we start trying to perfect every single facial feature. Mm, that's right. And you talk about that in the book, how, yes, it's all about, and when there's too much going on, we don't know where to look or we stop or someone can look, as you said, women, because you've, you've obviously got a range of case studies in the book and talk about women coming in who are very upset because they haven't had the got the outcome that they thought that they were going to get. Yes, they yes. in fact now look weird, and these are wor- your words from the book, not not yes. my words. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, sorry, did you want me to elaborate on it? Elaborate on that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, just for example, you know, one of my one of my the characters that I talk about in the book, um, and I'm going to have to have a little. Because there's so got a lot of great stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think who I who I will talk about. Who's the best person to talk? I think it might be Annie in this respect, given what you've said. Annie Annie came, like you said, and she'd come from um, if you like, she'd shopped around to lots of different uh, cosmetic medicine clinics and had lots done. So the moment I saw her in my reception area, I thought, okay, she's had a lot done. I can identify that straight away in someone's face. And she came in and the first thing she said to me was, and I would actually said on my patient notes, 
wants lips done. Yet the first thing I saw when I saw her in my reception area were her very, very large and overfilled lips that didn't suit her face. And I knew even though I looked at her and I saw that her lips were really large, I knew that they wouldn't be her unique facial feature. I knew that there was something else because the minute she smiled and I saw how beautiful her eyes were when she smiled, they really warmed. The, the warmth in her eyes that came out w- was absolutely beautiful. But yet when I first saw her, I went, okay, anyone would think that her lips were her unique facial feature because they're so large. She came in and she said to me, I want my lips done. Wow. And because she'd, she'd obviously been to lots of other clinics and, and so that, you know, that's not how I run things in my, in my clinic. I basically will sit them down, talk to them, and then I start talk to, talking to them about, their face and what's most beautiful about their face. Quite often people will go into a clinic and they'll be handed a mirror and straight away the practitioner will start pointing out their flaws. And this is absolutely heartbreaking and it's horrible to see because I see it done all the time. But from a medical perspective, we're very much encouraged to look at things from a problem-solving perspective And to know how to do that, we have to point out the problems. We have to find what the problems are. The problem-solving process is what leads medicine to discovering the best form of treatment. However, when you're dealing with someone's face and you're dealing with, therefore, someone's emotions and how they feel about themselves, pointing out, oh, you've got a line here, you've got wrinkles there, this is sagging, that's happening here, oh, you've got this happening here, it's soul-destroying. So she came in and said, I want my lips done, and I said, let's have a look at your beautiful face. Let's see exactly. And I straight away said to her, when I saw you in the reception area, I was struck by how beautiful your eyes are. Stunning color, a really unusual browny kind of a light brown, really quite catching. In fact, I've got goosebumps talking about them because they're they're beautiful eyes. And so I started talking to her about this. Now she had had so much done that she thought that the way to further beauty, because she didn't feel beautiful after every single treatment that she had. She didn't feel beautiful at all, which is why she'd go to another clinic and another clinic and another clinic and have something else done and more and more. So so once I shared with her about her eyes and she was like, oh, and then she started looking. So what we did was we dissolved a little bit in her lips to bring the attention back to her eyes and made the focus all about here so that this would no longer detract from it. Mm. She's now been, I've been considering she didn't go to one clinic more than once. She, she'd shop around or hop around to different clinics. I've been treating her for now three and a half years. Wow. And she drives quite a distance to see me. Wow. That's incredible. And what a story in terms of, I mean, what you, there's so much in that, but this whole, the shopping for perfection, the the, the doctor shopping or the, the clinic shopping, hopping to continually to get the the fix you know when you in the book you talk about women are addicted I think there's obviously we haven't even spoken about social media um and its impact but obviously this is this is driving a lot of this um but what you're really saying here though is that your you know your approach is is really a very ethical approach around allowing women and and it's a more healthy approach because it's allowing women to or educating women about what their unique facial feature is and, yes. then al- and then enhancing that rather than thinking that everything has to be perfectionized. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
and that's and that's the thing is that we are bombarded with images mm. of perfection and and definitely social media is is probably our biggest you know our biggest contributor to this this feeling that we're not enough so you know in your downtime you flick on social media you look at instagram and you go look at her beautiful lips and especially when you see befores and afters mm. as well and i'm a i'm totally against having befores and afters of of single facial features and the reason being is you wouldn't buy a car based on seeing a picture of the wheel no you want to see the whole thing and then you go oh actually I, I'm not that keen on the roof. Mm. However, we seem to be able to quite happily get away with doing pictures of lips, really, really thin lips, and then beautiful, juicy lips as an after. And then, you know, um, just particular facial features, not the whole face. And it's it's almost, it's it's not fair because we're selling this idea that you have to have each of your facial features need to be separated and they need to be 100% perfect for you to be considered beautiful because alongside these before and afters is a gushing post. Mm. And what the gushing post does is say, I was unhappy before, but now I'm happy. Mm. And that feeds the whole FOMO that we have today in society. In society. Absolutely it does. And I, I know reading in the book you said that a lot of the influencers themselves, these women who are paid, literally paid to have the work done and then do the gushing posts, a lot of them are so desperately unhappy inside themselves. You're meeting them. I am. I, I, I meet them. I meet them as actual full, full paying private patients. Um, and they are it, the stress that they're under. They're on. They're on ev- every day, twenty four seven. They're on. They have to portray and project uh, a certain image and it is purely based on this idea of selling an idea that perfection leads to happiness mm, mm. which we know it doesn't which we know it doesn't absolutely and you, you talk more about that in the book so I just want to we've been sort of talking around the book but I'd love to get your what what inspired you to write the book you've been working in the industry for, for you know for quite a period of time um, you have this you know, what I would say, very ethical approach to assisting women if they say so choose. And I know some some listeners of this pod, podcast might say, you know, what, why, are you, why are we talking about cosmetic medicine? And it is a choice and it is a choice that women can have, but I think it's about making ethical choices and educated choices about anything we do in life. So it seems to me like you're, you're doing some pretty, you know, doing, you, you're working in that ethical space, which is why Absolutely. I really talk to you. So yes. What encouraged you to write the book? What, what was, what was the, the turning point that you've been working for a long time in the industry and then suddenly you go, right, I have to write the book. What, what inspired that? Um, I would say that was, sorry, I've just written a little note because you said about um, some women who don't want to have, who are saying, why are we talking about cosmetic medicine? So this this book is essentially for all women because all women want to learn what's unique and therefore most beautiful about their face. Mm. And it just so happens that I'm in the, the profession where I'm seeing it to the extreme. Yep. And I suppose that's what led me to to writing my book was, uh, this crazed kind of frenzy that was happening amongst society, and this is this is pre-COVID. 
And it's gotten worse, God forbid, it's gotten worse since COVID because we've definitely got this whole FOMO thing happening right now, more so uh, than we did even before COVID. Mm. And it's this, I, it kind of was this thing, women who I've been treating for many years, for example, would come in with their phones and they'd say, I want to look like this. And I'd been talking to them for years about what's most unique and beautiful about their face. And they'd be like, oh, but I want this. I want this. So so once they left the clinic, there was no control over how they felt about themselves. So a picture tells a thousand words, doesn't it? So if they're feeling down about themselves or they catch a glimpse of themselves in a shop, a shop, you know, window or something like that. And then they see something that looks beautiful. Yep. Then it's they go on this kind of trajectory down this rabbit hole of self-loathing. And as women, we seem to be really adept at self-loathing rather than self-loving. It's almost like it starts from a very young age that we start comparing ourselves to others because others compare us to others as well. And so it was getting to a point where I just couldn't, I could not possibly cope with the expectations that women were having on themselves to look a certain way and on me to produce this look. And sometimes they'd come in with their face filtered and they'd say, can you make me look like this? And I'd say, no, no. that's a filter that's impossible no that no one in the world looks like that and so it kind of got to a stage where I was like I can't actually do this anymore and I nearly I had what what I term as my inciting incident an inciting incident is in any story it's a point where you need to change Mm. And for me, if I didn't change, then I would die because I nearly died. <laughs> so I nearly, I had a near fatal asthma attack. And while I was actually losing consciousness, all I was worried about was the patients that I had booked in that day and how if I died, I'd let my patients down and who would look after them then and make sure that they didn't get sucked down into the rabbit hole of believing that perfected facial features led to happiness. Mm. And when I came, when a couple of days later, I started to recover. Um, I went, this is insane. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I had to get the story out. I had to let enough people know that that happiness is not from having the lips, the cheeks, the jaw, the chin, the completely frozen and expressionless face. Happiness is from knowing what's most beautiful about you. And holding that solid throughout your whole life. Because that's what I do in my clinic. I teach women about what's most beautiful about them. But I can't see more patients. I can't. In my clinic, I'm one little voice. And I can only speak to my patients on that day. But on paper, my my voice is huge. And it's it's getting to, therefore, the people that need to hear it globally. So Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Because... Yes, as one woman and one voice in one clinic in, in Brisbane in Australia, you're doing amazing work. But we don't want you to get to that point where of burnout where you yeah. were and you had a really, that was a really severe episode in your life. So mm. I'm sorry that it got to the point of having to have that episode to write the book, but I think the book no. is, <laughs> is a real gift to women. And it's a, because for me, you're an industry insider talking about the truth of what's going on. And, yeah. again, I really enjoy that 
perspective that you're not someone who's trying to put gloss on the gloss. You're actually peeling back the curtain, opening the curtain back and allowing us a look inside. And for women who are possibly going to make choices about how to manage their body, you know, in their 20s and 30s, but as, as they're getting older, and you mentioned older patients in the book, as they're getting older, how to make good choices if they want to get some work done. And there's nothing wrong with getting work done if they want to get it done, but to do that in a way that's going to be supportive to them. And that's not going to somehow fill a gap that can't be filled if there's a void inside. Absolutely. Yeah, you've you've put it so beautifully. That's perfect. You can't fill, you know, you can't put a Band-Aid on on a knife wound and expect it to to actually work. Our beauty, what's most beautiful about each and every person out there is only unique to us, not a single other person. There's 7.8 billion people in the world. Not one other person has the exact formula that makes up our beauty. Uh-uh. No what, a power. What, is, what an incredible power each of us has. So it's about, you know, and, and I am speaking as an insider and I am trying to change the world from the inside in terms of my, my colleagues and my fellow practitioners because it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start with a practitioner and a clinician saying yes to someone who says, I want these lips, I want this chin, I want these, this jawline, I want this. Instead, I'm, I'm begging essentially my, my fellow colleagues to, to look at what's most beautiful about their patient's face and nurture each individual patient's beauty. Absolutely. Mm. We take an oath that we will do no harm we should do no harm both medically and psychologically. So if we're not acting in the best interest of our patient, and I don't, and I believe that if we're not focusing on what's unique about their face, that we're not acting in their best interest. Mm. So I'm going around and I'm speaking at medical conferences in front of hundreds of clinicians, and I'm saying, the power is yours to stop what's happening in society out there because we are a society in crisis believing that the answer to our happiness is everything out there and nothing to do with what we are capable of and what we have inside us. Mm. Beautiful. Absolutely. I agree. It's that, and it's, it's that they, and you're right, the clinicians are the ones with the power, you know, they're the ones with the women who are in the, and they're most vulnerable. It must be very, women are really sort of opening their hearts when they're going into these places and very scared, unsure, all sorts of questions. And then have someone to potentially prey on that and take advantage of that from, from a money perspective is really alarming. So how has the industry responded to the book? Mm. Overwhelming support, which I have been so blessed with because I was petrified. I was absolutely petrified. I was like, what am I doing I'm putting myself out there to be uh, bullied, ridiculed, really kind of hated in terms of shining a spotlight on an industry where I think things are going wrong Mm. and shining shining a spotlight on the things that are going wrong within the profession. So I was really, really scared, but I was so, so, it was so refreshing to see so many people have been so supportive. And we chatted about it off, off air prior to this interview, Jen, didn't we? But 
I believe that those who aren't supportive, i.e. those who are scared about their business going down or whatever, are, are certainly not being vocal about it because then they'd be shining a light on them to say that they're the ones who don't care about their patients, you know, ethically and morally, and they don't worry, they don't care about, you know, their unique facial feature, and they're the ones who are feeding this idea of perfected facial features leading to happiness and what's creating this society in crisis. Mm-hmm. So if they are, if there are people who aren't um, happy about it, they're certainly keeping it to themselves. I've had one person comment on an Instagram post I did saying don't you think it's ironic or something like this? I'm not going to be able to quote it verbatim, but don't you think it's ironic that you're, you're telling people or that you've written a book about not, or it's not, it's because it's not about not having injectables done at all. That, that It's about finding what's right for you. And if you choose to, fine. If you choose not to, fine as well. Mm. Um, but the comment was, it's, it's a bit weird that you've written a book given that you're in the industry. Am okay. I... My kind of response to that is it's actually completely not weird. You'd want to know about car safety, wouldn't you, from someone who makes fast cars. You'd want to know about air safety from a pilot, surely. So I'm talking to you about beauty safety, modern beauty safety, from someone who is is responsible for talking to women about this on a day-to-day basis. I am exactly the right person from the inside of the profession. I'm not making judgment from the outside looking in, going, oh, this, this, this and this. I'm here going, and this is what happens. That's right. And I think that's it. You're not... You're not standing in the cheap seats from the outside commenting and because I, I think that would have been easier for someone in the industry to knock you down. But, yes. you know, you have really beautifully presented an argument that, well, which I think is probably timely for the industry. So it was, it would, but also I want to also really acknowledge you for for stepping out and being that that new voice, that lone voice on the edge, because I can imagine that would not have been easy. Um, sometimes though, when we've got this message that we want to share this, 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 this vital purpose in life, it, it, you know, then we have to get it out there in some way, but I can understand it would not have been that easy either. You, and how, how did you get through that? How did you actually, you know, there was an, there was a time when you would have been pressing send on the send button to send this manuscript out. Final manuscript through, um, there was, and you know what? There was a lot of tapping, a lot of talking to my peeps, mm. a lot of a lot of meditation and deep breathing. Because I tell you what, there was so many times, and even before it was released, it was released on first of September, and there was a delay in the release um, because the printing house is in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and Melbourne went into their. I think it was the start of their four month lockdown in August when it was. So my book was due out in in August. And there was a delay and I was like, this is fine. This is fine. Delay is fine. Maybe maybe that's a sign that we're not meant to. And then it was weird because now we can release on the 1st of September. And it was like, well, that's actually beautiful. That's, that's spring. Mm. You know, that's the start of new beginnings. And I, I was petrified and I was petrified when it came out. I was petrified for the first few months as well. But um, the, the the support that I've had and like you said, the the people who've said to me, thank you for being brave enough mm. 
to stand out and and to actually talk about this because it's something we and that was so so comforting to know that there were other people who felt the same way because for years I've been saying at conferences and to colleagues this has got to stop it's going bad this has got to stop but it, it seemed to always fall on deaf ears. Hence, another reason why I wrote the book was it was a case of, okay, I've tried to approach my, my colleagues. I've tried to approach who I believe are the heads of the industry or the profession. That's falling on deaf ears. So I'm going to go straight to the people. Power to the people. The people will make the decision. And then ultimately, it will affect what you're doing so I'm kind of doing it that way. Instead of doing it this way, I'm doing it this way. Instead of doing top down, you're going bottom up. That's exactly absolutely. And I think that you know that's very that's very sensible because you mentioned in the book you said about five years ago you were going to these conferences and the people in the conferences were starting to look very overfilled and frozen and Botox themselves. Yeah. And that's when you 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 made a comment about going with your friend to the airport and there was all these people who had emotions on their faces as opposed to the the perfection in the conference. So obviously that was a bit of a turning point. You saw that happening in the industry itself. Yeah, Yeah. and it was about five years ago when I started kind of, if you like, harping on about the fact that we've got it wrong, Mm. this this isn't right. And maybe, maybe it's because the industry was growing, maybe it's because we had different availability of products or maybe I don't know I've put my phone away but maybe it's because of the the huge surge in our access to social media Mm. that was that was making it happen and it's almost like okay if you're if you're seeing you know people who are responsible for treating these patients completely have lost their perspective on on beauty then that that will only take a, a, a little bit of time for that to filter down to their patients. And essentially that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. With the support of Instagram and everything going on there, I think probably the story that cut through to me on that the most was the impact of social media was I think early in the book, the lady who came in yeah. who had folders on her phone of eyes, brows, lips, noses, cheeks, and yes. she was in a really bad space yes. um, mentally. And, and I think this is probably where I'd like to go next is sort of this is not just this is not just a, 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 you know, it's just not a, an industry that's making some money. It's actually creating this quite a huge mental health epidemic. Yeah, yeah. You touch quite strongly on the mental health piece in the book, which I think is also really valuable. But you also give some really beautiful um, practical things that women can do. Mm. When you talk specifically about your inner power practice, would you, would you like to just briefly overview that? Because I think it's such a lovely uh, you know, to me, that that was the icing. When, when we got, when I got to that point in the book, I was like, okay, she really is committed to making a difference for women. So, would you like to just share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, it's all good and well to kind of, if you like, say we need to do things differently, but without arming the reader mm. with, if you like, a practice that they can take with them on a daily basis. It's almost like an empty book, really, or an empty idea. So I created, I needed to create something that was concrete. And what I did was essentially, like you said, I, I peeled back the curtain of my treatment room and I showed people 
okay, even though I might not go through all of that with each patient because time constraints and also some people can't have all that in one sitting. In fact, most of them can only have a little bit, but it's what I am feeling towards them. It's my energy that I'm holding when I'm treating them. And therefore it was about putting that energy and putting that practice down on paper and into words and then being able to share that with the reader, Mm. which I think now makes it a piece of work that people can take with them, I hope, that people can take with them forever. And like you said, it's called called the inner power practice. So I have my inner power practice, you have yours, everyone has their own. And in terms of what, of supporting your own beauty in this day and age, it's quite simple. It's a really simple kind of series of steps. It can be done everywhere, but knowing always, so your lighthouse is your unique facial feature. And the reason that's your lighthouse is because it has never changed from the day you were born until the day you pass. And even beyond that, you will be known Mm. for your unique facial feature. It will never change. So that is your lighthouse. Your unique facial feature is your lighthouse. And then you have three anchors that come from that lighthouse. And those anchors, the first one is your peeps. Now, peeps are not, you know, I know that the word is used, oh, my peeps, you know, is in my friends. No, I've been talking to my peeps. It sounds, it's going to make me sound even more weird than I already am. Um, I've been talking to my peeps for, for many, many years. I met my husband uh, 17, 18 years ago. And I told, he was the first person that I told about my peeps. And my peeps essentially are 100 mini me's that sit inside my solar plexus in here. And they look identical to me and they're just mini me's. And what I do is I chat with them. (laughs) And essentially, I suppose, if you like, they're, they're the link between my, my conscious and my subconscious. So they're my ability to kind of chat with myself and find out what's going on. So I'll say to my peeps, hey, how are you going? What are you up to? What's going on? If I'm feeling a bit, or even if I'm feeling really good, I'll check in with them. So I always check in with my peeps and say, how are you guys going? And you've you've got to sit back and you've got to let them respond. It's all about waiting to respond in today's society because we are so quick to respond to things. We're so quick to answer when quite often we just need to sit and sit in our body and our brain and our soul and let the response come to us through our feelings. So you sit, you chat with your peeps and you might take one or two things away. So they might say, hey, I'm really, one of them might say, hey, I'm really scared about this meeting that you've got with John tomorrow or something and you go oh okay I didn't realize that I felt that way so then you take what your peeps tell you and then you tap about it so tapping is EFT emotional freedom technique uh, which is a wonderful idea to interrupt negative brain pathways so what you do is you actually so I won't go through the whole thing because it is it's 
Hey, put a link, yeah, we'll, and we'll put a link absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's and a fantastic can, methodology. Yeah. It is. It is wonderful. And it can be done everywhere. You see, you see sports people doing it all the time. They'll be sitting there and they'll be tapping. And they'll probably be saying something like, even though, even though I, I'm scared I'm going to throw this game, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. So you always say the thing that you're most scared of or you're most worried about or you're most upset about. Um, first and then you remind yourself and I deeply and completely love and accept myself so your brain says okay regardless of what happens I deeply and completely love and accept myself and then the third anchor is your mantra and this is a mantra essentially that I had to develop throughout my burnout my nervous breakdown if you like and that is essentially breathing in and saying I love myself and breathing out and saying yes as a, as a confirmation of that first part. Mm. So the fact that your unique facial feature is your lighthouse, any time that social media or any time that you walk out and you get that pang of doubt about your beauty, you can go, hang on, hang on, my lighthouse is my eye colour. My lighthouse is my cheekbones. My lighthouse is... Whatever it is, is my eye shape. That's my lighthouse. And it's almost like this little thing that's in your mind going, this is what's beautiful about you. This is what's beautiful about you. And I it's love all that. about water. It's always got to be about water for me. So that's why there's a lighthouse and three anchors. So <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. And what, because what I think you're doing there, I mean, it's beautiful and it's interesting. Your inner power practice resembles a lot of my inner power practice, although I haven't perhaps you know, communicated it in that way. Yes. And it's the, but what it, what you're doing there, which I think is the absolute juxtaposition of what's happening in the industry is that you're helping, you're teaching women and you're helping women to focus on what's working versus what's not. Many, many years ago, I had an incredible online art teacher, Flora Bailey, beautiful. I I learned how to paint through her online course. She's a fantastic teacher. And what she, I remember her saying one of her classes, she said, often you can look at a canvas, a very, busy canvas that could be you feels not um working or you're you're, you're feeling a bit down about it you don't know where to go she said just look at the canvas and zero in on the piece that's working and she said it might only be an inch she's american she said it might only be an inch by an inch square but she said focus on that and just work on work on what's working and i think isn't that a great analogy and then from there you can then expand back out to the work on the rest of the canvas and I think what you're saying, though, is that you're helping women instead of focusing, because this is what we do in our, in our di- can, can do in our inner dialogue, is we can focus on all of the things that are not working. And that's where it comes into the conversation around self-loathing. And that's how we get into that, you know, poor self-worth, poor self-confidence, poor self-love, all that spiralling down. It all comes down from those stories that we tell ourselves of what's not working, yes. whereas what you're telling us is, focus on what's working that lighthouse in our face we can always come back to that it's never going to change and then go from there I love it I love it yeah I love that and it's it's really interesting because that that the story about your art teacher has reminded me I had a review by um Happy Valley Books Read who are who are great a great couple of guys who read oh my goodness they are prolific readers but they are amazing reviewers of books all over, all over. And they're just such great supporters of Australian women as well, uh, women authors, which is fantastic. And they actually, Phil, who who 
read my book and he read it in, I think, did he say he read it in a weekend or in a night? No, I think he read it in a night. He was that surprised because he didn't realise and he just went, I just ate your book up. It was amazing um, how fast he, he read it. But he said the principle that you've talked about in your book, I now carry through my life in everything that I do. Mm. So it can be applied, like you say, it's, you c- it can be applied to your, to your artwork and to your art teacher, focusing on where the beauty is and letting everything else radiate from that, from a place of love. Mm. And that's what I, you know, I talk about in my book, when things get you down, when social media, when, when things, and I talk about it in a very candid way, and I kind of do a snapshot, a 24-hour shot, snapshot of me in a dark place looking at social media. Mm. And the first thing I always say to people is obviously once you put your device down is get out and look for the beauty. Find, even if it's a tiny square, even if it's, you know, you're looking at and you're seeing the, the, you know, a plant with the sky behind it, like that backdrop, the blue with the green, find the beauty. I don't care how small it is, find the beauty and then let everything else radiate from there and breathe that in. I love that. Well, we're completely aligned because that's what yeah. I talk about all the time here on Your Freedom Unlimited, which and that it's flipping that script from the from the fear-based stress, the I have to control everything down to my, my, you know, if we're talking in your context, down to how my face looks, as opposed to creating a new story where you're focused on love and beauty and starting from that place that I am beautiful from within and then finding beauty from without in that. So connecting those two. So I just, I I love what you're doing, Anita. So a couple of other questions before we finish though. Um, There's a huge pro-ageism debate going on right now. I've, I've got some really interesting friends in the US who are really leading that debate and I think you're really capturing a new audience and, and and allowing older women to start, you know, encouraging older women to see themselves in a different light. Where do you see what you're doing fits in with that and how if, you know, potentially some um, people focused in this area might might have an issue with with injectables? How would you how would you deal with the question from that space? Uh, it, it's it's really it's really very simple. It comes back to your unique facial feature. so women of all ages and men and men but this but my space is women and my book is is for women and men (laughs) but it's always regardless of what age you are is having the confidence that what you have your unique facial feature your lighthouse is still the same regardless of what your age is so regardless of what your skin is doing what your what your outward appearance is doing and how it might be affecting your confidence, having that stoic safety of that lighthouse Mm. will carry you through regardless of, of if you decide to ever have anything done or if you decide never to have anything done. It's, it's interesting because I've, people since people have read the book they've said things like oh I thought I needed to have my lips done or I thought I needed to have this new jaw that everyone's talking about done or my chin done but since reading your book I realized that I don't wow and it might be a case that they're and that they're and they say things like so I'm just going to have whatever or I'm not going to have anything Mm. 
And that for me is about empowering women who might be interested in injectables or might not be. And I think it's not a, it's not a, that we're not talking about two different groups here. Women are all the same in that I believe we all want to project our best image of ourselves. And that's what it's about. This is about all women, not the pro or against. This is all women. And if we can teach all women what's beautiful and unique about them, then if they so choose to have facials, if they so choose to have their eyebrows done, if they so choose to have something done to their face, they're doing it from a position of knowing that it will be best for them, Mm. not because someone else has had it done and they look better and therefore they feel they need to have it done. That's it. It's not, it's coming from that place of, I'm okay as I am, not less than another to try and raise myself up. Absolutely. It's, a, it's totally 100% about empowering all women to feel beautiful in their own skin. Mm, beautiful. beautiful. And, and, you know, in today's day and age, saying, saying that injectables are bad is like saying coffee is bad, is like saying mobile phones are bad. We, we know, we have to know how to look at them and say, that's for us or that's not for us. There should be no reason. We're not harming anyone else. There should be no judgment placed on people who decide to have something done versus those that don't. There should be no finger pointing. Women should embrace each other And it should all be about, and I talk about it, queens and princesses. Queens are there to nurture our princesses. We're there to care for each other and to love each other. That's what women have is this unique link together. Mm. That's right. And if honestly, if we're truly loving another, if we truly want to come from that place of love for another, then we don't judge. We accept. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we allow the space there for if someone were to say, I don't feel very good about myself that we can give, we can help to instill that level of confidence Mm. in them. Mm. Not finger pointing. That's exactly right. And if someone is vulnerable enough to say, I think this is what's interesting about your, your space that you're working in is that you are getting women who actually at some level are saying, I'm not feeling good about myself. So I'd like something done externally. And I think the story that you're bringing to us or the work that you're doing is that you're helping women build that inner beauty or that that inner love for themselves that then the work the external work that you're doing is enhancing that as opposed to propping up an empty idea as you said to you yeah or even putting a mask on putting a mask on that's exactly right and hoping that it will change what's inside because it Mm. never will because we know what's inside and we know we know how we really feel about ourselves so there should be no jealousy or competition Mm. of our fellow females in the world feminine energy is such a powerful thing it's it's slow and it's it's comforting and it's nurturing and it's it's all like water and it's it's there and it's buoyant and we should be about Mm. you know lifting women up not tearing them down that's right I, I i completely agree I, I could talk to you for hours about this but i i want to before we finish though i want to ask you are a mother to two daughters i am this is a really 
really interesting topic for you to be covering, knowing that you are bringing, you know, young women uh, into into the world who are going to be exposed to, you know, social media, the best and the worst of social media. What mm. is your hope for them when you were writing the book? Did you, were you, I'm sure you were thinking of them. What's your hope for them as they grow up and progress? I understand the sort of pre and early teen. Um, mm. What's your hope for them as they enter the world? Well, they, they are actually the inspiration behind me writing the book. In fact, they, they have a little, I dedicate the book to them mm. and they have a little picture they have, their pictures are inside, oh. inside the book because they are definitely who I dedicated my book to. Um, because when I was, when I did have my nervous breakdown um, from working 100 plus hours a week trying to satisfy everyone's needs in the clinic, I, I thought if I, I was planning on walking away and, and leaving the whole profession. And I thought, well, if I do that, who's going to protect my daughters? Mm. going to be there to make sure that my daughters and my six nieces and my all my friends daughters and all my daughters friends and all the rest of it who's going to be there to be the voice to protect them and so they were absolutely 100% the inspiration behind me taking that final step forward and going this is actually my job I need to do this it's a oh an awful lot of work but I need to do it so my hope, and it's interesting that you you finish on this if you like, because my next, what I'm doing next is I'm actually getting to schools. So I'm talking to young, well, not young children, but I'm talking to 11, 12, yep, from 11 and 12-year-olds up to um, grade 12, 17, 18-year-olds, and I'm talking to them, again, from a position of being an insider about what is beautiful about them and therefore knowing that that is enough, mm. that they are beautiful enough and that there is no need because social media will tell them, you know, that at the age of 18 they need to get into that clinic and have their lips done or have, you know, preventative Botox in their frown or whatever at the age of 18. It's like, no, 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 you don't. Mm. This is what's beautiful about you. So I'm spreading my message in schools, which is absolutely the main reason I wanted to to write this was to get to women, get to young women before they started formulating this idea that they weren't enough. Mm. And my next writing journey is reflective of that as well. Can you share anything about that or is that still under wraps? It's still under wraps. It's very much, I was chatting to my agent yesterday and it's very much under wraps um, because I've been working on my fiction, mm-hmm. but this this has kind of come to light quite recently. So I know. <laughs> very exciting, really exciting, Anita. So I just want to say, you know, it's been such a pleasure having you here on the show today. You've, you've really shared so much of yourself and so much of your journey, but also you have, we have, you know, lifted the veil. We've peeled back the curtain in terms of what really goes on or can go on in your industry. Um, it's fabulous. And the book is fabulous. We'll put details of where to get that into the blog that goes with this podcast. But is there a website that you want people to go to that could, where they could order the book? I think we do need to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just go to, it's anitaeast.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Instagram handle is anitaeast underscore. 
Fantastic. Um, but there is all the links are there to purchase my book. You can purchase it either directly from us um, at the clinic uh, online. There is an online shop um, via that website I've given you, or you can get it from uh, Dimix, um, Amazon, Booktopia. Uh, in America, you can get it from Amazon, obviously. Oh, there's everywhere. We're, yeah, it's it's available in oh, in all the places. <laughs> all the places. I'm sure Amazon's probably a good place for everyone to go. Yes. So we'll definitely yes. put a yes. link to that in the in the blog yes. with this podcast. But it's really great. I'm very ex- and I'm excited that you are now able to go into you know going into schools to talk to young women because I think yeah. that's that's where the big um, piece of work needs to be done. There's and you're right. They're swamped on social media. I, some of the stories that you share in the book are hair raising. Um, there's one, and I think probably what I would like to say is that having read the book, you've really educated me about where to go for, you know, if we were to go to places, we need to go to someone who's really an ethical um, supplier. Anyone who's doing these sort of, these deals are very dangerous. You mentioned a, a, a story in the book where a young woman went to one of these deals. She took a girlfriend along. It was in a beauty hair salon and you know, mm. hundreds of women were lining up and this woman had something seriously went wrong and she could yeah. have lost her nose and her upper lip. Yeah, yeah, yes. And that's why it's, um, you know, this whole kind of frenzy of, <laughs> you know, these recording of these stories of, woohoo, you know, I'm having this done and that done and we're talking about medicines that are being injected and there are serious risks and side effects that could happen from said medicines being injected into areas that they you know is not ideal um so making it a making it a you know a a a party atmosphere if you like when we're talking about schedule four medicines uh yeah it's it's not good it's not things can things can go wrong things can creating that frenzy that fomo if you don't if you don't order this you know if you don't buy buy this two, you know, one mil for $200 package now, this deal now, you're going to miss out. And it's like, no, you're not because you're, you're really not. Yeah. You may not need it at all. That's the other thing. You may thing. not need it at all. If we yeah. were focusing on your unique, your unique facial fig- feature, your lighthouse, you may not need it at all. So you're exactly right. So, well, Anita, it's just been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing, as I My said, pleasure. for yourself and for sharing a little of what's inside the industry for us for us to really understand. And I'll look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. (laughs) See you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. If you like this show, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review Your Freedom Unlimited on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at jenramsey.com. Thanks for listening. 